one. Uh, you'll see that in a moment on the screen. No, you won't. We just had a bit of a uh, projector issue. Don't tell anyone. Mark chapter one, uh, because the projector's out, this is called a Bible. You can pull that out. You'll find it in there. Mark chapter one. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made from camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Well, what we've just heard is uh, from a book called The Gospel. It's really just an account, a historic account, one of four, written to teach us about the life and the death and the meaning of the life and the death of Jesus. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to start to unpack that and say, what can we learn about God from this? And what can we learn about ourselves from this? How can we connect with God and how can we learn to live a really great life? So that's what we're going to be thinking about. And uh, this morning, we're going to start off by, uh, I want to ask you a question. And the question is uh, this. Turn to the person next to you. Oh, what's going on here? Turn to the person next to you or somebody you don't know or somebody you do know and ask and, and share with them what's the best news you have ever received. What's the best news? Just, or maybe a very good bit of news. Just the, a really great bit of news that you've heard from someone. Go. Okay. So uh, if, you, if you feel like you want to share... Uh, the bit of news that you heard from your friend or one that you want to share with the group. John has got a mic. He's going to come around and share with the group. What's the best? What's some really great bits of news that you've received? Stick your hand up and John will bring a mic around and we can all be blessed by hearing your great news. It's an easy one. Uh, just the, when we found out we were pregnant with Finn. Woo. But it, it took us like seven years to get you know have that baby in there it wasn't quick so yeah yeah great news not nine months seven no, years, no, seven years. 
<laughs> awesome. Okay, well, that's a great bit of news after seven years of, uh, of trying to get pregnant. You're finally pregnant. Okay, what other great bits of news that you've heard over the years? There we go. Uh, we were living in London, and when Pete told me that he got a job in Sydney and we were moving home, that was amazing. So, oh, yeah. that's great news for us as well. Mine's not the greatest news ever, but it's more kind of greatest news this month. After a pretty average month for um, the church, uh, when Frey was school captain, that was awesome. Yay! Woo! Yeah! Wah, wah, wah. Didn't even set you up to say that, Beck. That's awesome. I know Freya did, but <laughs> I guess the greatest news for me was when I was finally able to contact my family. Uh, because I had survived the Christchurch earthquake. Oh, wow. Yeah, amazing. Finding out that Freya was not going to be Down syndrome. So we had a very high chance of her being Down syndrome and spent three days wondering about that and were told that she was not and that was the best news I've ever had. Gee, I'm getting my steps up. Go on, Luke. When I was 13, my foster parents are asking me and approving my adoption. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. If we're celebrating Freya going to be captain, um, just for everybody's knowledge, um, Grace Kiefer is going to be vice-captain of her school. Woo, so we've that's got good two news. captains, vice-captains. She's in charge of discipline, I gather. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh. <laughs> um, I, when B was recently unwell and I was checking up on her about her homecoming, I was really thrilled for her that one of her sons had arrived from overseas unannounced oh. to take, take her home from hospital. I thought oh. that was great news. That's, that is... Well, I, I mean, is it just me? But that's pretty emotional. <laughs> that's amazing, hey? Um, like, you just... Good news changes us, doesn't it? Um, and it's, and it's, often, it's often so good because it's, it's a shift from what was hard and difficult and feared to suddenly, ah, oh, it's going to work. You know, isn't that amazing? Like, uh, that's what, it's, it's, the, it's the contrast that makes it stand out as such good news. Um, and uh, what, we, what we see in this opening section of Mark's Gospel is um, the claim that uh, Christianity makes and that Jesus makes that um, there is some extraordinarily good news that has come into the world 
and uh, it's come into the world through this person, Jesus. And uh, it's the good news that kind of every other little bit of good news points to. And every other little bit of good news actually gains its lasting significance because of this bit of good news. Um, and when we think about faith and God and Christianity in our lives, what, what I want to suggest is that um, what we can't do is just think about it as a set of ideas, something that other people might believe, something that's out there, but isn't really that important to us. Um, Christianity, as C.S. Lewis said, is if it's, if it's true, it's of the most incredible importance emotionally in, in every area of our lives. But if it's not true, then it's completely unimportant. So we've really got to decide. We've got to say, we think it's true. And if it's true, then, then what we can't do is just leave it at the realm of, ah, oh, it's true for someone else, it's true out there. Because actually, it's the best news ever. And it should move us. It should actually get to us in the way that the bits of good news we've heard this morning get to us and then some. Um, so uh, this is what the, the writer of Mark, this historic document, says. John, he's a fellow called John the Baptist. He came before Jesus to prepare the way. And he's in prison and Jesus goes into Galilee, the Khalil, the, a part of Israel up in the north. And he's announcing, proclaiming, telling people the good news of God, good news that comes from God. Like, it's got to be good, right? If, well, maybe not. But, but God's saying, here's some incredible news. And he says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. That's the good news. Repent and believe the good news. So I want to suggest Christianity is really good news. Um, but uh, I put a question mark there. And I go, well, really? Like, we can understand how... Um, getting pregnant, becoming school captain, uh, you know, finding out your family are safe, uh, all the things we've heard about. We can understand how those things are good news. But Christianity? I mean, Christianity's had some bad press lately, hasn't it? Right? Like, so, so in our culture, and maybe you think this, if, if we were to go down the street, Darling Street, and walk up to people and go, hey, what do you think of Christianity? Do you think it's really good news? That, what do you think people might say? They might say no. Why might they think that Christianity is not good news in our culture, in our day and age? Just yell it out. Let's pretend it's not a rhetorical question. The media? And what do the media tend to say about Christianity? It's divisive? Yeah. Abusive? Pedophiles? Sorry? Outdated? Requires sacrifice. Colonizing. Colonizing. Whoa, coming into NADOC. Yeah, I mean, is, is Christianity mean good news for indigenous people? Well, we were all indigenous people once. It's a, it's a good question, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, all, I mean, goodness me. 
Um, uh, Christianity is intellectually untenable. It's like believing in the spaghetti monster in the sky. It's uh, it's a, a instrument or construct that has enabled patriarchal abuse of women and children, uh, ethnic minorities, it's divisive, it's oppressive, the LGBTI community, it's obsessed with sex while simultaneously being hypocritical with sex, it's run by a bunch of priests who are really just interested in power and money and sex, you see there's a thread there in our culture, um, it's boring and irrelevant, it's hardly good news, I mean goodness me, how's, how's Christianity going to help you pay down your mortgage and uh, raise great kids? and uh, lead a, a modern life, right? Um, is it really good news? Like, it's on it. Like, we've got to grapple with that. And, I, and maybe you don't expect us to think so honestly about this at church, but, but that's really important because there are real challenges for, for our friends, but also for us if we're honest. Now, um, uh, we can't hope to cover off on all of those uh, challenges to Christianity in one short talk, or even one fairly long talk, to be honest. Um, but over time, as we go through the series and as we journey together intellectually and spiritually, I think there are answers. Uh, there's reasons why it's good news, and we're going to start giving an answer to that. And then over time, just we've got to explore and face those challenges honestly and with integrity and authenticity and no defensiveness, because it's real, right? Okay, so I'll, I'll start to give you a picture, a big picture of why it's good news, and we can fill in the gaps as we go. Well, um, uh, what is this news? Um, the news is this, the kingdom of God is at hand. And you go, huh, what does that mean? Well, uh, what's a kingdom? A kingdom is a place where a king rules. It's the sphere where the will of the king is done. Right? Does that make sense? That's the kingdom. And, and kingdoms have boundaries. So uh, Australia has a... And we're not a kingdom. We're, we're, we're almost sort of a pseudo-republic. We're a constitutional monarchy. So let's go with this. We're a queendom. So where, where the queen's will is done through the Australian parliament, there are boundaries. And within the boundaries of Australia, Australian rules and laws apply. The will of, uh, of the Australian leadership is done here. You go to New Zealand, and, uh, and the will of New Zealand is done. You go to Indonesia, and it's the will of the Indonesian parliament is done, right? So um, here's the thing. You can think about that at a political level, but also for you and I individually, we each have uh, our own kingdoms, as it were. That is, we each have a sphere in the world where our wills are done, right? So uh, I have a sphere right now where my will is being done, and what I will right now is to teach you, and my will is that you listen. And in this sphere, my will is being done, sort of. You know, I mean, it, it's my will is not done perfectly because it's entirely possible that you're not really listening. Um, that, and, and I can't do anything about that because you are the king of your kingdom and your sphere of influence is, uh, is yours. So you could say, well, I can sit here and nod and pretend to listen to Mark um, and, and, uh, and, and I can't make you because you're the king of your little kingdom. You could even get up and leave. And uh, I could try and restrain you. I could run down and, and explain extend my will over yours by crash tackling you and holding you down and getting my Bible and beating you over the head to make sure you really listened. Uh, it wouldn't be that helpful, would it? So your will and my will would come into conflict. My will has a boundary and it rubs up where it bounces up against your will. It's the same with countries. This is just how kingdoms work, right? 
For like 2,000 years before Jesus came, thoughtful, intelligent people had looked at the world and gone, hmm, uh, I, we, we believe there's a God, and this God who they experienced uh, for 1,500 years, they gave the name Yahweh, and Yahweh, they believed, was the God who'd made the world good. And Yahweh was the God who had, uh, had promised that, that this world would be a place where human beings could flourish and where everything would work. And this God, Yahweh, was a God who'd said to his people, I love you, and I will forgive you, and I will make everything right for you. Okay? That had been going on for 1,500 years. And for 1,500 years, uh, what do you reckon people's experience of God was? Well, they'd look around, and they'd go, hmm, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of evidence of God's will being done here. There's a lot of evidence of human wills being done. There's genocides and destructions and famines and, you know, all kinds of evil and theft and gossip and human relationships falling apart. And the most religious amongst them would go, oh, well, where's God in this? And, and here's what made it worse in their experience. For 1,500 years, they'd been listening to God tell them what to do. And for 1,500 years, they'd been going, well, I want you to be God. I want your kingdom to come kind of for other people to make my life easier. <laughs> but I don't really want to have to do what you want me to do. I just want you to sort out everyone else, right? I, and, I mean, isn't that a very human idea? Like, just, you go fix everyone else up, God, and just leave me to do what I want to do. So for 1,500 years, well, what do I do when I just do my will and there's very little evidence of God's kingdom? And they were looking forward to that because, you know what? We all know, don't we, that the world doesn't work very well when it's just up to us. This is not a new, thing, new thought, and they knew this. And so they were longing for the time when God would show up and fix the world. They were longing for 1,500 years for God to show up and, and for his kingdom to come, his will to be done, for God to actually come and fix up the mess of the world. And what we have in Mark chapter 1, which is the central claim of Christianity, which is the thing we have to grapple with, more important than any other thing in our journey of faith, is this claim that in Jesus of Nazareth, the creator God, Yahweh, had actually showed up in time, in space, in this place, in Israel, and had stepped onto the stage of human history. And in Jesus, God was bringing the will of God, his kingdom, his sphere of influence, right into the middle of our experience and was doing it in a way that wouldn't kill us or crush us, right? This is not the equivalent of God crash-tackling us as we try to leave. This is the equivalent of God arriving and wooing us in, of drawing us in because of his love and his mercy and his beauty. That's the claim, right? That's the claim that the king, that's when, when Jesus says, 
the kingdom of God has come near. He says it's here, it's available now. So that's good news, right? That is incredibly uh, good news. Why? Uh, why is this good news? Well, uh, the first reason it's good news in these documents is because it actually happened. Uh, it's not fake news. That's become a very common phrase, like it's just a fake news. That's just a way of saying, what I say can be completely disconnected from reality. <laughs> and I can just, as long as I'm confident in what I say and I repeat it, I can deny anything, I can say anything, I can just lie. Right? That's, the, that's what fake news says. It's that we live in this world where, well, what do you really believe? Anyone, as long as you just say it confidently and you happen to be, you know, the president of a large country, um, well, what can you do? Right? Um, this wouldn't be good news if it hadn't actually happened. So, again, something we need to think about is that it actually happened. We, there's a lot of historic evidence to support this claim that actually there was this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, and, uh, and what we read in, the, in this story in Mark's Gospel is historically accurate, and we've got to grapple with this. Christianity, it's not a myth in the sense that it just is a, it's a construct that we made up over time. Uh, what sets Christianity apart from other religions is this claim for um, embarrassing historicity. And I say it's embarrassing because it's a stubborn fact. You, and, and Christianity hangs or falls on its historicity. Like, did it actually happen? Because if it didn't happen, uh, it's just an idea and it's a lovely idea. But it's not good news. It's just fake news that makes us feel good for a time. It happened in history. Um, and it's good news because if it really happened, if, if, as we'll see as we go through this story, if, if the rule of God, if God's will comes into the world in the person of Jesus is now accessible to us, it's good because it changes everything, right? Let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, it's good news because this is the fulfillment of all of Israel's longings and all of your longings. It's good news because everything you long for, if it's true, is actually going to come about. Every good desire you have will be met. What do I mean by that? Um, well, uh, we all desire that love wins, don't we? We all long for um, love to triumph in the end. Uh, that's why romantic comedies are such a staple of uh, the genre. What was the thing we watched the other night? Isn't this romantic? The uh, Rebel Wilson comedy, I, I recommend it. It's the you know, absolute pinnacle of artistic uh, genius and storytelling and culture and creativity. And, and uh, you know, in a very clever story that, that mocks the genre of romantic comedy but is itself a romantic comedy. And you know why? Because love wins. And don't you want that for your life? I do. I want love to win. I want, I want love to win over hate. I want love to win over broken relationships. I want love to win over exclusion, racism, all the various phobias that we label each other with. I want love to win. I want, I want to know that in the end... You know, my wedding vows count for something beyond just a uh, time. 
just a contractual arrangement to share assets and parenting for as long as we kind of get along. I want there to be more than that. Don't you? Anyway, I, I, my parents divorced when I was young, and uh, every kid who's grown up in a broken family, you know that all you really want is, is mum and dad to get back together again, right? Even if it actually would be complete disaster. <laughs> Because you want love to win. You want it to work. Um, you want love to win. You want there to be a triumph. And you want a love in your life, and you know this is for love to win. You want a love that will never let you down, even when you let it down. <laughs> Don't you? That's what it takes for love to win. It means there needs to be a love in our lives that will never betray us, that will never forsake us, that will never give up on us. That's what we long for. And uh, Mark 1 verse 15 says, as we'll unpack through the gospel, that, it, that this kingdom of God is good news because we see exactly that kind of love come into the world. And we'll think about that as the weeks go on. Uh, we also... Uh, it's good news because this kingdom of God changes everything because we don't just want love to win... We, we want justice to win as well, don't we? Like we, we, want, we want the good guys to win. We want there to be a triumph of justice over injustice. We don't want evil to go unpunished. We don't want people to end up just being oppressed and miserable and the poor downtrodden and, uh, and the oppressors to live and grow old and die uh, peacefully and comfortably in, a, in, in luxury surrounded by their families and loved ones, getting away with what they've done wrong. We don't want that, do we? I don't want that. I want justice to triumph. And, uh, and the problem is, of course, that outside of God... It's very hard to imagine justice really triumphing, isn't it? Um, so we, uh, we have a very good, well-functioning justice system here in Australia, don't we? Um, have any of you ever had to go through the justice system as a complainant or a defendant? You, no, don't stick your hand up. That could be embarrassing um, either way. Uh, I have a very good friend who's a lawyer, and when we talk about this, he will make the comment that justice, the justice system, is not at all about justice. The justice system, when it works well, is the best we can get to sort of approximate justice. Our justice system, as good as it is, helps us move towards justice. But you speak to anyone who's in the system and you go, oh, it's, it's not guaranteed to provide perfect justice, is it? Like, how do you, how do you ever really know? How do, you, how do you bring justice for historic child sexual abuse cases in our justice system? That's really... Like, how do you do that? How do you disentangle claims that in the Me Too era? How do you, how do you find justice, you know, if, if someone in the 1970s claims that their housemate um, assaulted them? How, do you, how does the justice system actually solve that? How do you find justice for 42 million people kept in uh, some form of modern-day slavery today? Like, it's hard, right? Huh. Um, I don't know. How do you, you, if you've got more than one kid and you're a 
parent of more than one kid, you will know how hard it is for you to come up with just solutions to the petty squabbles that happen around your kitchen table, right? Like, forget about, forget about the big issues of modern-day slavery. Just bringing justice around the kitchen table is really hard. Like, I don't know. Who said what? Who started it? Who knows? How did you... And I know in our family, it's always Oliver, isn't it, Frey? Yeah, it's always Oliver. That's right. Yeah, all the time. Who knows? But in our heart of hearts, we long for the, for, for the right thing to be done. And you know what? Mark's Gospel says the kingdom of God is a place of justice where what is right will be done. And that's good news, I think, if it's true. Uh, and it's a triumph, final thing, it's, it's a just triumph of love, triumph of justice, but it's a triumph of um, order over chaos, of shalom or peace over war, of wholeness over disintegration. And that matters a lot. Like when we'll, as we look through Mark's gospel, what we'll see is that uh, the kingdom of God means that God is um, undoing or reversing the forces of entropy and chaos and decay in the world, which unpick and unravel every part of our human existence. And that's good news. It's really good news. Um, because here's the thing. After about 16, what do we discover about ourselves? It's all downhill. <laughs> Maybe 23 when your frontal lobe's fully developed. Maybe 40 if you're a bloke and your frontal lobe finally develops then, you know. Um, but, but you know what happens, right? Is, is all this energy goes into getting us to this point and then the rest of life, it just there's an unraveling. And, and you all know, I mean, I, I, I like playing squash and I can, I can tell my age on the squash court. Actually, where I really tell my age is how long it takes me to recover from a game afterwards. So, you know, I, you have a, I have a hard game and then uh, when I was younger, I'd bounce back and I could play again the next day. Now I'm hobbling around for about a week. And I know in a decade time I'll be hobbling around for two weeks. And then eventually I won't even be able to hobble onto the court. And that's life. It's true of every relationship. Uh, chaos, the unraveling, the unwinding of life comes into every relationship as well, doesn't it? I mean, this is the exquisite cruelty of relationships in this world. Uh, many years ago I went to the bedside of a man in our church who was dying. And uh, his wife had died about two years before. And we were down in Melbourne and I sat with him and I held his hand and we prayed and he was in his mid-90s. And, uh, and he said, uh, we'd been married, we were married 72 years. And he looked at me with tears, this is, with tears running down his eyes. And he said, and I just miss her so. And then he died. And that's what happens in this world. Time unpicks and unravels the good and the true and the beautiful. And that's not right, is it? We know that's not the way it should be. 
and the good news of the kingdom of God, if it's true, Mark 1 verse 15 says the kingdom is here and what the kingdom means is God re-raveling, God weaving back together everything that time and disease and evil pulls apart. The kingdom of God is good news because it means that in fact death is not the end. Death, which is the ultimate pulling apart of order and of wholeness and of life itself, even that itself, that great enemy death, the kingdom of God, Mark's gospel will tell us, uh, that is overcome and undone. And so life gets rewoven and order and shalom and healing and flourishing comes into our world and is made accessible to each and every one of us. And that's really, really good news. That's really, really good news for all of us. So um, the kingdom of God's really good news because it means love triumphs, justice triumphs, and shalom, wholeness, life itself triumphs. Ah, <sighs> is that good? I think it's amazing. <laughs> I think it's amazing. So, um, uh, what should we do with this? What do you do? Well, uh, Jesus says this, repent and believe. And now, if you're not particularly religious, you go, oh, repent, here we go. Horse hair shirts, flogging, how to be miserable. No, 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 no. Repent doesn't just mean, it's not a, a particularly religious word, though it has that. Actually, the, the real meaning of repent is change your mind. Change your mind, change your attitude, change your behavior. Which, in our stories of good news being received at the start of this little talk, that's exactly what we do when we hear such good news, isn't it? You go, ah, oh, you start to live life differently as a result of it. You hear that your family are safe after the Christchurch earthquake, so you stop worrying about them. It's like, ah, oh, okay, I live differently in the light of receiving this good news. You hear the news that you're pregnant, and it changes, right? You don't go for the next cycle of IVF. Like, it actually changes your behavior just because the news lands and you go, now I see everything differently. That's what it is. That's all it says. There's nothing intrinsically religious here. This is just a description of the normal human response to really good news. Uh, pick another bit of good news. You've just, uh, you, you know, you've got a job, a new job. Well, that means you don't keep turning up to your old job. You've got to go to the new one, right? It's simple stuff. That's, that's what it means to receive good news. Um, and so we need to repent, we need to change our minds, and we need to believe. So it's, it's we change our minds and we believe, and that's important because if you don't believe the good news, you're not going to change your behavior, are you? Like, you actually need to think it's true. And Jesus knows that. He knows that we're, we're, we're those kinds of beings. We always have been. Every human that's ever lived has had the same kind of struggle for belief as you and I. And he says, okay, so you've got to believe this. You know, I think it's true, right? And... Um, it's important. It's not easy, but it's important. I sometimes put it like this. Um, I think the kingdom of God is this, this story, and I'm, I, I don't know where. This is the kind of story we'd want to be true, even if we weren't sure that it was right now. Isn't is that right? I keep wanting you go, yeah, that's, that's, I hope that's the way life works. And, 
And you know what? Here at church, we are committed to trying to help all of us on this journey of figuring out, is this actually true? And, and don't just, you, you can't just take my word for it. It's far too important for that. You've got to think about it yourself. And you've got to go on a spiritual journey yourself to go, I, do I believe it? Am I, does it make sense? Is it livable? Does it explain the data of life? Can I, is there historic evidence for this? And uh, one of the things I discover in, in Australian culture, um, many of us have had this sort of experience of Christianity, like when we were kids, Sunday school, it's sort of there in our cultural memory. And so because we encountered it as kids in our cultural memory, maybe Bible stories or scripture at school, uh, we, we've, we sort of stopped thinking about it then, and, and then we've grown older, and now we think about the rest of the world as adults, but maybe we haven't thought about Christianity with our adult brains fully engaged in the way we think about other stuff. So it's important to think about uh, Christianity in that way. And we have a tool here, a, a little course. We, we, hear, we, we have a range of ways to help us. So every Sunday we have talks like this in church like this. This is really designed to help each, each of us in increasing measure, grapple with, is this true? Is it really good news? And how does our behavior change as a result of it? It's really very simple. Like, just that's all we do. Connect with God, learn to live a great life. Think about, is this true? Is it good news? And if so, how does it change everything? And it's really just that every week, right? That's just, it's pretty simple. But we also run programs and courses to help. So we run a little thing called Alpha. And uh, I just wanted to get Jen to come up. Jen Haddad has been running our latest. Do you want to grab the microphone? from? Uh, and I, just to give you a sense of what Alpha's like, um, I just wanted to ask Jen some questions because it's, Alpha's, a, give a, uh, Alpha's a great program to help people think and explore exactly these sorts of questions. So, Jen, welcome. You need to put the microphone. Thank you. That's pleasure. <laughs> In case they didn't hear you thanking me. <laughs> That's important. It's very important, yeah, yeah. So, Jen, uh, tell us just a little bit about your involvement with Alpha. Okay. Um, who has done Alpha before here? Hands up if you've done Alpha. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, half of the audience can tell us about Alpha, but it's a 10-week, it's about 10 weeks, and um, it's a course for people who are exploring Christianity or who are new to the faith, or who just want a little bit of a, you know, just a little bit of a refresh. And so it um, uh, covers a number of different topics, things like who is Jesus, um, why should we read the Bible, um, what about suffering, does God heal today, what about evil, uh, the Holy Spirit. And so the way we run it is we have uh, a little video and the videos are filmed from a church in London called Holy Trinity Brompton. And then we, so we have dinner actually, and then we watch a video and then we have a, have a bit of a chat. So that's the, the format of Alpha. And you're, you run this program, you run this course at the moment and you're halfway through a course at the moment. Tell us a little bit about yep. how the current course is going and where you... Great. So Liz and I uh, are running it on Tuesday nights, and actually we finish on Tuesday. Oh, you Tuesday. finish almost yeah. done. Okay, wow. So we had a big day yesterday, which we call the Holy Spirit Day, where we um, watch about four different four different videos throughout the day, and yeah, so we finish this this Tuesday, and I imagine we'll probably do more of them throughout the year. Yeah. So we've had there's been eight of us, and pretty consistently every every week. Um, we're all there, and um, 
yeah, every every person in the group is just getting so much out of it and yeah. really flourishing, actually. That's beautiful. Which is really nice. Are there any things that came out of yesterday's day that you feel you could encourage us with sharing that you're um, appropriate to share? Yeah, look, I think with yesterday, I just feel like I'm part of something that, that God's part of. So God, God's in it. And it's really nice just to be doing what God is doing. And yesterday was about the Holy Spirit and um, very much about praying for the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And in our lives, you know, that we can pray for the power of the Holy Spirit um, all the time. And it's not just, you know, something for some people every now and again, but it's um, the power of the Holy Spirit is for all of us, all the time, whenever we want it. And I feel like we saw that yesterday and it was, um, it was really special. Beautiful. So we will be running another Alpha course uh, soon. Keep your eyes out for that. Come and join us. Be part of it. Uh, bring friends along. It's just a really great way to explore the faith. Everything that I've been talking about now, it's just it's really fantastic. Thanks, Jen. That's great. You're welcome, Mark. Oh, that's, a, that's so good. Got the like up for that one. Huh? Um, so uh, that's where we're going to end it. And I, I just want to... Um, Go back to where we started and say that if Christianity is true, then it changes everything. Right? It really does. It's everything we long for. Of course, if it's not true, then it's completely irrelevant. But what it can't be is just moderately important. We can't let it function like that in our lives. It really is pretty much an all or nothing thing in terms of our lived experience. So let me encourage you to lean into that and explore that and... uh, and uh, to repent and believe, to change our behavior and believe that this is the best news we have ever received. And to allow that f- force in our lives, eh? Let me pray. Lord God, um, I pray for each of us in this room that you'll help us to believe this good news that in Jesus the kingdom of God, the rule of God, the presence of God, the healing, love, and justice of God has broken into this world and is now accessible to us. Uh, Lord, we are all on individual, unique spiritual journeys, but yet we're actually all covering the same ground. We're, we're, we're not that special. And, and there are resources and millions of people before us have covered this ground. So help us to be humble and honest Give us faith. Give us uh, integrity in our journeys. And Lord, I pray that you will fill us with joy as we believe this to be true. I just think of the joy that we, we, we heard sharing the, the earthly bits of good news that we got at the start of this, this morning. Uh, may that joy fill us as we think about this spiritual, heavenly, eternal news that we've received as well. And we ask all this in your name. Amen.